0: disorders are the most common psychological disorder in the U.S. It affects 18%, 18% of the adult population. Now, look, anxiety is... Normal, right? Like we all experience, you know, a, it's, it's it's like a body's natural response to stress. It's a feeling of fear or apprehension about what's to come. And occasional anxiety, of course, is an expected part of life. You might feel anxious when, you know, faced with a problem at work or before taking a test or before making a important decision. And then there's also anxiety disorders and this is just putting my therapist hat on for a second cuz it's really important about what we're going to talk about today around dating anxiety um and you know anxiety disorders are not temporary and it can cause symptoms that interfere with daily activities it can interfere with job performance your Daily routine tasks, like even you know when you 're debilitated with anxiety, just the smallest tasks feel huge, and of course relationships. so I want to go over and share with you several types of anxiety disorders, and the last one we 're really going to um, i think you 'll enjoy <laughs> because I think we all experience again anxiety on different levels now there 's generalized anxiety disorder, and that 's something that it's not really specific to any one thing. It's just a generalized feeling of restlessness where you feel on edge. You've had to have experienced that for at least 6 months um having, you know, muscle tension, difficulties controlling feelings of worry, that kind of thing. Um then you have panic disorder when that's just a recurrent unexpected panic attacks, right? It's those are attacks that you have periods of intense fear that come on quickly and then reach their peak within minutes. And symptoms you might have are sweating, trembling or shaking, sensations of short breath, you know, heart palpitations. And it's like a sudden onset of you know, a fear that's related to an object or a situation, Then, of course, there are various phobia related disorders. So, a phobia is an intense fear. So, it can be in an inversion of specific objects or situations. So, you might have a fear or a phobia around bees, or it could be a phobia about dark. Heck, you may have a phobia around narcissists. And I know a lot of you out there probably are relating to that, right? But when you have a reaction, it's your, you know, that anxiety kicks up and you want to avoid that particular object or situation. And then there is da, 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 dating anxiety. Now i this is not an official diagnosis, of course, in the psychological terms, but it should be these days. Dating anxiety, and I'm going to define this here. It is an extreme or excessive worry, obsession and fears around dating and relationships. So I want to go over eight symptoms. Eight symptoms of di- you know dating anxiety that you might experience and I'm going to say if you experience at least 3 to 5 of these you can diagnose yourself as having dating anxiety which is probably 90% of the population who is dating out there. Okay, the first symptom I see are calluses that form on the fingers and heart due to excessive swiping. You know what I'm talking about. You are so riddled with fear of someone not being good enough, or having all the boxes checked off of your must-have list, or you know, you're know you worried about getting hurt, so you just keep swiping or numbing out. Second symptom, you fear having awkward conversations and infinite unknown factors like Will he or she show up? Will he or she like me? What do I say? What, what if I say too much? What if I spill my drink? What if I get rejected? Right? It's the what ifs. And it's that constant worrying that you're not doing it right. The third symptom of dating anxiety, you're feeling scrutinized or anxious, thinking about having to meet new people. And you may fear they'll do something embarrassing or you'll do something embarrassing. So it's, you know, that I actually feel is related to more social anxiety. And a lot of people who have dating anxiety have social anxiety, which is very real and it can be debilitating. Number four is obsessive phone checking for text. So you're checking your phone for responses, excessive worry when you don't hear back, or enough to indicate that they like you. You're obsessing over your own texts, and if you did the right thing, wondering if you're going to be ghosted, gaslighted, or benched. And if you don't know those terms, you got to look it up, because that is a real worry out there, all of them. Number five, you worry about whether your date has all the qualifications for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And if there's one qualification that doesn't fit the bill, then you're out of there, but you constantly are worrying about that. Number six, you avoid meeting new people and you sense this isolation and hopelessness about the prospect of finding a suitable partner. You're just constantly ruminating about it. Number seven, anxiety about thinking you are not good enough. You constantly think you're not good enough, so you overcompensate by showering your date with attention and doing things for them just to get them to stay liking you. And finally, number eight is extreme worry of being alone and need for attention and attachment that you would much rather be in a relationship, even if it's an unhealthy one, than being alone. And again, if you relate to any of these, I mean, maybe you have one or two, but if you have a lot of these, you can diagnose yourself as having dating anxiety. So I've had many clients come to me with this kind of anxiety. And one in particular, I just has been working with, and she was putting more attention onto the men versus what she wanted. And she learned that love was something that you did rather than you felt or received. So we really had to flip the switch here and have her work on things that she wants rather than worrying about what the guy wanted. And I'm happy to say she's on date four with a guy that she really likes and she's finally authentically her. And this all can happen to you. But again, if you're experiencing this, it can be a debilitating monster and can literally take you over. And that's why I brought this amazing woman, amazing woman, wait till you hear her on the podcast today, to help me talk about how to put the brakes on and manage anxiety so that you can date smarter, not harder. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist, mindfulness educator, and founder of the mindfulness-based Yale Therapy Group based in Santa Monica, where she works in a private practice. And she specializes in relationship intelligence, which I so love, treating couples and marriages with a focus on rebuilding a attuned, improving attachment, and emotional literacy. It sounds like a mouthful, but it all makes sense when she puts it out in English today. (laughs) She also works with individuals in transition, looking for love, breakup recovery, or going through a divorce. And she has a special focus on treating adult children of severely mentally ill parents with attachment injuries. I love that. She's been in Bustle, Mind Body Green, Ted X Talk. She's everywhere. She's a regular contributor to Goop online magazine. Welcome, Shira Myro. Hello. Hi. Hi, Kim. Hi. It is so special to have you on. It's so I, I think it's so funny how we <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> So we had our first date, right? Like we had an email exchange. So how did we find, how did you find me? I can't remember what you did. I I did a Google search uh, on on behalf of a client
1: um, who was exploring the possibility of um, working with uh, a dating coach. And uh, I I think the words (laughs) was Googling was around, I think, Bitterness or being single and bitter, and how you know a dating coach that might address
0: oh my god, I don't know whether issues. or not to be like <laughs> happy or sad that my name was attached to like bitterness
1: <laughs> you know it, it wasn't it so it wasn't a, it wasn't a direct link, but i it I landed on one dating um one dating coach's website it was some article, and then I guess you and her had had some kind of connection and then I right. found your website and i I just, I, I felt your messaging was, was very compelling and kind of what you're saying also about the, the dating anxiety that, um, you know, we can get so clouded, uh, we can get so, um, I want to say exiled from the possibility of connecting with others because we're, we're, we become dissociated. We're in our own heads around it. Uh-huh. And, um. I just love your approach. Uh, you know, you have you have both the therapeutic background, and then you have the style background, and um, you have the uh, relational skills to really help help people break through some of that uh, anxiety that they experience.
0: Oh, I love that, and I feel like we we speak very similar language because I loved when you talked about, and I, I saw on your website how you. Talk about relational intelligence, which is so funny because, you know, part of my charisma quotient, I talk about all the time, the ingredients are style intelligence, emotional intelligence, and social intelligence. So I'm missing the relational intelligence. That's where you come in. (laughs) So tell me more. Like I, I'm just so fascinated on your focus. You know, obviously we've both been therapists, um, before, but the, but your focus on this stuff I think is amazing. And the work that you do, like, how did you get into all of this, you know, to begin with?
1: Uh, you know, I, I think it goes back to, to my own attachment injuries as a, as a child. Um, my mother was severely mentally ill. She had Mm -hmm. schizophrenia and, and my father, uh, was as as much as I loved him and the only functioning parent, he was also very much a narcissist. So I always felt, you know, that, um, in the absence, certainly as a, as a young woman and you know, in the process of dating, that I, I didn't even know where to begin. I, I knew that I had a lot of unprocessed trauma, which I eventually worked through in therapy. But, you know, this I, idea, I think we all get these messages from the media that you're going to fall in love, and things are going to be spontaneous, and it's mm-hmm. just going to work out. And I think the truth is, while you can't, you can't manufacture a spark, you can learn how to love. And you yeah. can learn how to be emotionally literate and relationally skillful. Those things you can learn. And so the idea that that's, that's not something that you know, only the lucky get to do, the only the lucky people get to have a healthy, loving relationship, I, I think is, is very um, affirming and, and redeeming that like, there's, there's a process. And for me, I, I found that incredibly empowering and, and that's, that's really become the, the focus of my work.
0: That's amazing, I and I thank you for sharing that too because I think we can all relate to growing up in really like adverse situations where you know you feel like you're doomed kind of thing. And I, I like how you flip the switch, especially just given where you are and the success you've had, and now you're here to help other people. Like, so did you, as, I mean, that's interesting, just, you know, with your mom and your dad, as you were going through the dating process, did you experience a lot of anxiety yourself because of your background? And like, were you worried about that? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I know it's probably like a dumb question, but I'm sure you were, but like, like, how did you do that? How did you get over that? yeah I
1: mean a hundred percent I mean yeah uh, they didn't have tinder in in my day but <laughs> when i was when I was out in the dating scene that I mean all of the things that you described <laughs> nor mine yeah I, I feel like that's actually um uh, that's probably something millions of people experience both both men and and women and I actually think you know no offense to my dear husband but I think I was quite underdeveloped when I met him. <laughs> And undifferentiated and lucky. <laughs> we kind of grew together because we've we've been together a long time. But I, you know, I, I look back now and, and I think, you know, it I really had to cultivate these skills. It wasn't just a question of knowing myself, but even in yeah. terms of regulating my anxiety. Because, because I think what happens is, is once the anxiety kicks in, you know, and your amygdala flips, you you can't talk yourself down until you have a way of of self uh, regulating, of calming, of calming your anxiety first. Because your rational mind really isn't all yes. that available to you when you're when you're basically in a fear based state.
0: I know in therapy that you work with people on that, but are there just some quick like tools or tips that you know you can help people just? Almost self-regulate that anxiety because that's hard.
1: Uh, yeah, it is, and so you know, I don't know if there's a quick tip, but one of one of the practices uh, I use is is mindful uh, mindfulness
0: mm, uh, and, mm-hmm.
1: and mindfulness uh, awareness and uh, sort of a quick definition of that is is being able to observe your thoughts, your feelings, and your bodily sensations from a vantage point of um, compassion and non-judgment. And just the noticing of them and not over-identifying with them, uh, knowing that they'll pass is really empowering because it it creates a pause between right a feeling or a thought, maybe an anxious thought or an anxious feeling arising. If if you're able to sort of push pause and say, oh, there the, there's that anxious thought again, and not go down the rabbit hole with it, then you can, it, it takes the edge off the intensity of the feeling, and you start to develop that muscle that you're just noticing what's coming up, as opposed to trying to suppress it or going down the rabbit hole with it. So that's that's one of the primary ways I I use um, in working with anxiety of all persuasions is developing that sort of compassionate observing witness, so that so that when you're you're able to sort of notice, um, you don't. Um, it, well, A, it allows it to pass, but B, it allows you to have a response versus sort of a gut emotional reaction to it, which most of us have. And that sends us into some of those um, either you know self-medicating or compulsive yes. behaviors that sort of turn us in a direction we really don't want to go.
0: That is so, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I think when you're in that state of anxiety, we've all had it, you know, different levels, you just want to get past it. You know, so like I think the tendency and, and a lot of clients that I talk to who have a propensity towards high anxiety and then dating just exacerbates it, right? Yes. <laughs> it just intensifies it even more. It's yes. that, you know, they, they want a quick hit or fix. And so they'll do behaviors like, you know having sex when they don't really want to, just to like feel good or okay. yeah, they'll, they'll turn and and they'll start going on Bumble or Tinder and numbing out by swiping, like what I was saying before, but they're not really present. They're just trying to like numb the pain. Yeah. So what you're saying is in order to manage it is actually embrace it and feel it. So you know how to deal with it because if you skip over it, you're, you're not doing yourself a service.
1: Yes, exactly. So you know, anxiety and even in the, the ways that we self soothe, to really be conscious of the fact that, let's say, we're we're in we're in discomfort, we're in distress when we experience anxiety. Mm-hmm. So uh, sometimes, you know, we talk about okay, what's a kind of um, constructive uh, self soothing activity? Can I can I call a friend? Can I go for a walk? Yeah, um, you know, I I pet my dog. What are things that I can do that? are not going to numb me out or disconnect me from, you know, instead of going to eat a pint of ice cream or to go spend two hours on Tinder, which are not, not healthy. And they really take us farther away from ourselves than from being able to notice and have compassion because it's such a universal feeling dating anxiety, I just want to normalize that for everybody. It's, it's not as if the vast majority of us don't have to have those experiences.
0: Right. Exactly. No, I mean, obviously I was saying a little tongue in cheek when I was going over that. Cause like literally 99% of us, if we've been dating in this dated age, we've experienced dating anxiety, but yeah, like I think you know, what's really good about what you're saying, and I'll, I'll tell clients this too, is that they don't know what that list looks like in terms of like healthy stuff in order to manage the anxiety. So like, even in your phone, taking out like the note section and putting like a list of things that they can do that are positive, especially in the heat of the moment, right? Because it's hard to think when you're in that anxiety state where you can soothe, but like the positive stuff that you can do, or even like text a friend versus texting an ex, you know, like little things like that can make a huge difference in the way that you manage it. So no, that's, that's really good. Okay. So once you, uh, with this mindful awareness, like once you observe what's going on in your thoughts and your feelings and your senses and you're honoring it, is there a next step to that? Like, you know, just to help manage it over time.
1: Ah, a good question. You know, I mean, I, I often do it in conjunction with uh, mindfulness meditation, but, uh, you know, and I find just over time, that's, it's such a grounding, uh, beautiful practice to be able to do every single day. Um, but obviously, you know, there's a lot of, pe- a lot of people are intimidated by meditation. They think it's not, you know, it's it's hard to do. And so, um, but that's that's one way you can anchor yourself and ground yourself and take some time to, to sort of separate from, you know, the anxious mind and your ego and, and, and really just focus on the breath. And when you focus on the breath, the breath has a natural um, self-regulating function. In other words, you don't have to tell yourself to calm down. It naturally brings you down into your parasympathetic resting state if you do it for 10 or 20 minutes a day, which is kind of amazing because it diffuses your amygdala for you, as opposed to you needing to think yourself off the ledge of anxiety. So that's, and and I kind of think of mindful awareness as something I could be doing every day in traffic. Mm. Um, You know, uh, let's say if, if I get an upsetting phone call or a text, just something to remind myself, you know, obviously with your eyes open, not to be reactive. And the reactive piece is, is just going with the fear as opposed to um, thinking about, okay, I've got some choice in this moment. How can I be responsive? And mm-hmm. I think it applies to dating when those fears come up. Let's say you're on a date and something's, you know, maybe all of the, your entire list is going to somebody's yeah. head. <laughs> Probably. Totally. You could maybe take, take, you know, five, five minutes or 10 minutes in the car before you walk into the date and just ground mm-hmm. yourself and, you know, acknowledge the anxiety, you know, yes, it's there. And then also acknowledge there's a natural, um, excitement around anxiety. Not, not all anxiety is bad. It's, you know, we all have a deep mm-hmm. desire to connect and, mm-hmm. and, you know, uncertainty is, is part of the world we live in. So the question is, isn't stamping out all that uncertainty prior to a meeting. It's, kind of embracing the uncertainty.
0: Oh, I so love that you added that. It, it reminds me of like back in my theater days when mm-hmm. I used to get so anxious before I would go on stage, but that anxiety actually drove me to perform better. Ah. And if, right. And so I think it was like more of that adrenaline and if you can use it as energy Great. versus adversity or like overwhelm or stress, like I think kind of pre like almost like pre-programming yourself to think like that, like that mindfulness that you're talking about before going into something can really help. And I, I really like that meditation piece that you said, because I think what happens so often, especially with dating is as we're talking about all this stuff, it's so in your head. Mm-hmm. And it's ironic because we're saying, oh, well, we're using mindful awareness <laughs> and we're like, but we're <laughs> trying to get out of our mind. But, but Part of what you're saying is actually doing things to quiet the minds and and use your breath and use your body so that you know you can date smarter not harder you know kind of thing
1: totally you know and and the, I think the problem especially with dating in the digital age is mm-hmm. so so much of what's happening is disembodied and dissociative Ugh, when we're texting yeah. we don't know what you know the subtext is we don't there's there's so many cues we cannot pick up on because we're, it's it's over an app or it's over text. And so there's so many missing gaps of really, really important information that you're not going to get until you're face-to-face with someone. So I think our anxious mind is really trying to plug those holes. And in the absence of having a, an interactional experience with someone, we're, we're doing a lot of presuming.
0: Yes. And that's what creates anxiety. And I tell clients all the time that I said, if you're wondering, instead of sitting there riddled with anxiety and wondering and predicting and assuming, just clarify, (laughs) ask the question, right? I had, no, I had a client the other day and she was so riddled with anxiety because she did not hear from this guy that she was dating. And normally like he's, he's on it. Right. Like he texts her all the time. It was unusual behavior, in other words. So I said, well, instead of just riddling in this anxiety and sitting there staring at your phone, why don't you just ask? (laughs) But, you know, in her mind, she was like, no, I can't like reach out first. You know, it's, it started going into that dating game thing in the beginning phases of dating where you don't like the woman doesn't want to reach out too much. She was waiting for him to reach out. And I said, well, you've had enough connection where you can do that. Like, it's okay to just clarify. And so it it turned out that his phone died. Like, it was something Mm so, right? It was nothing. But I think that assuming and predicting is a huge anxiety factor. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that.
1: Oh, definitely. You know, and I I tell some clients, you know, who are really prone to rumination and speculation, ask somebody what they're texting Preferences are like at the beginning,
0: yeah. Yes. Because, right, we're
1: reading into okay. Is there? Are they ghosting? Are we? Are we simmering? Are they icing us? Like, what's going on? And some people I've noticed. Uh, I, I'm working with one couple. Um, the the male partner he has a lot of ambivalence around his phone and technology, and he doesn't want to be immediately available all the time. Uh, by text, and of course, it drives his girlfriend bananas. Um, because she loves being you know quick, 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 quick responsive, and so she reads into um, the spaces as a lack of commitment or a lack of connection or a lack of Ah. attention. And so, it's that they have very different relationships to technology, which is fascinating. And so, we're trying to figure out other ways to close the gap so that she doesn't feel there's she's not reading into the situation, something that isn't there.
0: That is a great example too, of how then coming from different places, right? You know, maybe it's the way we communicate. Maybe it's Uh what we value. Maybe it's our upbringing. So we have different references, but all of that can cloud the way that we view something and we'll make like false hypotheses about it. A hundred percent. Right. So like she, she made a false hypothesis about who he was and that wasn't at all. It was just his communication style. So going back to your point, the more we can clarify things and ask questions and being direct and not passive aggressive about it, I think also eases anxiety.
1: Yes, it does. And even if, you know, the, I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I think that there's no shame there's no lack of dignity in in clarifying something mm. and you know the world that we're living in it's very anxiety producing because we're in that sort of time of i want to call it you know dating anarchy there's no more rules or or at least there's no more consensus about the rules so yeah. if there's no consensus about what the rules are and the etiquette is we're all in this kind of free floating <laughs> about what, how, you know, what should I do? And it's unfortunate because if there were more rules, then people would have some containment that, you know, there'd be a structure. They'd be like, okay, this is the protocol. But because there's not, I think that's, that's anxiety producing in and of itself.
0: That is such a good point. I never even thought about that. You're right, because we're in the state of calibration where, you know, I think it was so like restricted before mm. where we're like being liberated with the way that we are dating and having sex and looking at relationships and that kind of thing. But we've swung so far to the other side that we're in disarray. Like we have no rules anymore. And and we're looking for the parent to set rules on us. Cause it's funny. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of clients asking me for rules. They'll be mm. like, well, so how many dates should I go on before I have sex or, you know, how many texts should I throw out until I get worried or like people are looking for those facts. And so you're right. I think that is like almost like a societal or global. Yes. Like I think anxiety it's producing thing. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, so it's important to know that. So it's not just, okay, I'm being weird and anxious about it. It's like, no, the culture's changed.
0: Uh, well, And and what I say to that, because then people are probably listening saying, well, then what do I do about it? If this is a yeah. society problem. I, and, and I don't know about you, but I think because everyone is so different and there's just, we are looking at each individual as individuals. Now we're not like conforming to one set rule mm-hmm. is that guess what? Now we get to create our own rules and that's actually the beauty of it. And so just like looking at Yourself, like somebody who is 50 and divorced, is going to have a different set of rules around sex than maybe a 21 year old.
1: Definitely. Uh, Things are a lot more fluid. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I wouldn't necessarily, you know, I know people like to generalize with saying, oh, the millennials, this, and the Gen Xers, that, and the baby boomers are like this. I think what we're seeing is there's so much fluidity happening, um, that are, that are changing our attitudes, uh, about what's okay. And what's, what's not okay. But mm-hmm. I, I will say this, I think in answer to your question, I, I sort of bring it back to your values, you know, you are yeah. operating out of authenticity, transparency, honesty, you you know you want uh, clarity. The, these are the values that you want to operate out of in any relationship, not just a, a love, a romantic relationship. And so, if you can come back to, you know, how how do I want to be in the world? Well, I, I want to be clear. I want to have good boundaries. I I want to be uh, forthcoming about how I'm feeling, even if, let's say, you go on a, a string of dates where you're not meeting people who are in alignment with your values, let's say, eventually Mm -hmm. you'll land, as you do in in all arenas of life. You're going to land, you're going to find your tribe, you're going to find friends who share those values, and you're going to find partners who find those values, especially when you're, you're really clear about what those are.
0: Yes. Oh, that's really nice. I know that the boundary setting and using your own set of rules really also will quiet anxiety for sure. Because I mean, that that's the reason when when there's that uncertainty, that's, that's what causes everything to spike. So, oh my God, we, you and I could literally go on, I think for like hours. <laughs> I'm just realizing the time, so we should probably wrap up. But um, do you have any you know parting words of wisdom or things that you wanted to share in relation to dating anxiety
1: um you know i would say at the end it's easy to get um depressed i think you mentioned yeah. you know feelings of isolation and and hopelessness mm-hmm. that um that that's that's real you know if you've if you've had a lot of bad dates and because of all the apps and <laughs> it's easy to have a lot of them mm-hmm. um, so you know, I would say when you get the dating fatigue, I, I, I'm sure you've addressed this with, with your clients. I think that's a, a good time to press pause and to to take some self care.
0: Um, yes. whatever oh. that
1: looks like. You know, that I think some people sort of put the pedal to the metal and say, I'm gonna date some more and you know, and hopefully yes. if I if I just date a hundred, I'll get lucky at ninety two. And <laughs> I, I think that's the wrong advice. I, I think it's it's time to pull back. Uh, and do some self-reflection and and mainly take care of yourself because it, it it isn't easy, but there's there's so much to learn about this process and I think holding it in a softer, gentler, more mindful way you know mm. that mindfulness isn't just something that Zen monks do uh, up on the hill, <laughs> but bring mindfulness into into love and sex and relationship that 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 mindfulness that you, and compassion that you self-generate is
0: going to serve you in so many ways. Oh my God, that was beautiful. Very, very well put. And I just want to recap because you gave some really good tips as we were talking about this for everybody. You know, I think overall in in ways to like kind of quiet the anxiety and um, learn how to use this mindful awareness, first and foremost is really, you know, observe that in your body and your thoughts Mm -hmm. and your feelings and embrace it. Like don't run from it, but just feel it so that you can, you know, then know how to manage it, but manage it in a healthy way. And then I love that whole meditation, you know, and, and that it's not something that has to be this big woo woo thing, yes. you know, because <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm, people know this about me. I'm not a big woo, but I believe in part of the woo. And that's things that are like manageable where you could just use your breath to anchor yourself.
1: And really to help you in the present moment. I mean, that's how I think of meditation, which is to and mindfulness to bring you back to present moment awareness that's what we're looking for. Not, not woo.
0: <laughs> yeah, not woo. Good. Hey, woo's great, but... I like that you clarified that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then definitely embrace the anxiety and use it as energy. That, that was a really good tip because again, sometimes it can be really scary, but if you learn to use it more in an energetic sense in a positive way to drive you, to motivate you, it, it can be seen as a positive. And then, you know, clarify as we've been driving that home rather than a assuming and predicting, and then bring it back to your values and create a set of boundaries and rules for yourself that make sense for you in your situation. And, you know, really just do the self-care thing if you're getting fatigued with it all. So, oh my God, this was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to tell people how they can find you?
1: um, Sure, of course. Uh, But first, thank you, Kim. Uh, It's wonderful to talk to you. And and I just so love what you do. And all your expertise and experience. Um, you know, the, there's a lot that can be done in psychotherapy, but I think the, the dating and the style and and bringing it all together is, is just something that psychotherapists don't do. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> right, well, that should be another podcast we should have. <laughs> Absolutely. Um,
1: but yeah, people can find me at my website, um, shiramirotherapy.com, uh, on my Instagram at shiramirolmft. And uh, yeah, all my contact info is, is on my website, so you can reach me there. And thank you. This was a real
0: pleasure. Awesome. She's amazing, y'all. All All right. Well, again, thanks for joining me today. And this has been the Charisma Quotient. And I'm your host, of course, Kim Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more, of course, go to my site, seltzerstyle.com. And if you're looking to deepen and strengthen your relationship and get over this dating anxiety yourself, definitely sign up for a free breakthrough call with me. It's only a call away. There's nothing to lose. And, you know, here's what I will say is that even if it's one gold nugget that you learn from, you know, a 30 minute call, it could change your life. You never know. And stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day.